All right, welcome to this final session in the listener's commentary on the book of Galatians. We've arrived at really the concluding paragraph. It's sort of a wrap-up paragraph, and here's really what happens in this paragraph. Paul, who's been dictating the letter and having it written as he's spoken it, now he takes up the pen and he writes the final paragraph himself, wrapping up the themes of the letter in his own handwriting. Chapter 6, verse 11 is the transition sentence into this final paragraph where Paul writes these words. 6.11 says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. That indicates that at this point Paul has taken up the pen and he's going to write this final paragraph himself rather than dictate it to somebody else to have it written. This was actually a very customary practice. We actually have letters from the the time period of the first century or thereabouts that show this, where there's a second handwriting at the end of the letter, like a different style of handwriting right there at the conclusion. So it seems like this was a fairly common practice in the ancient world uh, where they would dictate the letter and the, the bulk of the letter at least would be written by somebody else as the sender would speak the words, the other person would write it down, and then uh, they would conclude the letter in their own handwriting Paul seems to be doing that here. Not only was it a common practice, Paul seems to have done this also because he had some problems with some people sending letters to his churches, and those letters were claiming to be from him. At least it seems like that was the case. Listen to these words from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul's dealing with a specific issue in the church at Thessalonica there, and he's about the second coming of Jesus, and he writes these words, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure, this is the part I want you to notice, or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us. Did you catch that? Or a letter as if it's from us. And so apparently... This, at least it happened on a, an occasion where somebody would send a letter claiming to be from Paul, and it wasn't. And so Paul seems to have adopted this practice of uh, writing the end of the letter so that people would know this really is from him. In fact, there at the end of Second uh, Thessalonians, he writes these words in Second Thessalonians 3.17. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is a distinguishing mark in every letter that's from me. This is the way I write. And so that's how he's letting them know that he indeed is writing that letter. And so not only was this a common practice seemingly in the ancient world, it was a useful practice for Paul to make sure his churches didn't get tricked by somebody sending a letter that claimed to be from him but really wasn't. So Paul takes up the pen here in chapter 6 of Galatians, and he's going to write this final paragraph himself, and it's really going to summarize the the major themes of the letter. This is what he says. Verse 12, he writes, Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And so as he wraps up the letter, he highlights this issue of circumcision that's been at the heart of this letter. But notice what he says about it. They, Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh. He's saying this is really why they're doing it. They want to look good in the flesh according to the flesh. And he says that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So how would getting the Galatians to be circumcised lead to making a good showing in the flesh and not being persecuted for the cross of Christ? Well, probably this has to do with life back in Jerusalem. As best as we can tell, 
from the book of Acts, the Judaizers had deep connections with the Jerusalem church and the Jerusalem leadership, right? The, we saw earlier in Galatians, they, they claimed to have been sent from James. And so they're connected to the Jerusalem church, which means they're Jerusalem folk. And this is important because in the time period this is being written, probably in the 50s, we're really at the uh, swelling tide of Jewish nationalism. The uh, There's a mood of rebellion and revolt against the Romans in the air that has been growing over the last handful of decades and now is beginning to reach sort of fever pitch. And here's what that means is if you have a newer religion, i.e. Christianity, going out and telling people that we're saying you can inherit the blessing of Abraham without being circumcised, what you're effectively saying from the minds of unbelieving Jews is you're, you're saying that our entire history doesn't matter. What our people have suffered over the last 100, 150, 200, 300 years doesn't matter. You're calling into question from their perspective their entire national heritage and their social understanding. Well, in the context of um, wanting to push off the Romans and wanting to free Jerusalem and free Israel and become their own free state again, in the context of that rise of Jewish nationalism and all of that, man, this is a real problem. And this means that there's going to be social pressure, social opposition, and what Paul calls persecution back in Jerusalem. Well, if they can go and say, look, no, we're not saying Gentiles can come in as Gentiles and they don't need to be circumcised. We're really not saying that. Paul was saying that, but he's a liar and a deceiver. That's not true. And so by doing this, what seems to be underlying it is this Jewish nationalism and the threat of opposition, hostility, and persecution back at home. And by being able to say, we're actually telling these Gentiles that need to be circumcised, they can make a good showing in the flesh. Literally, in a little piece of flesh, and then more spiritually, theologically, in the sense of the flesh as it's been used earlier in the letter, in the sense that... No, that's the old time period. That's the fallen period of humanity. That's the old era, not marked by Christ and the Spirit, but marked by the fallenness of humanity. And the law was part of that era and part of that system. So that seems to be what Paul is getting at here. And so in, in going and trying to compel the Gentiles to be circumcised, they are seeking to avoid persecution and hostility and opposition by making a good showing in the flesh. Paul goes on in 6.13 and says, For those who are circumcised don't even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you be circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. In other words, they're not great law keepers. Paul knows this because he's been a, a Jew, a Pharisaic Jew, one who worked hard to keep the law. He even describes himself in Philippians as blameless according to the righteousness that's found in the law. But he knows that, look, these guys aren't fully keeping the law either because of his own struggle with keeping the law himself or just because of um, he knows that you know they only keep part of the law not all of it this is just a token sort of thing we don't know the exact details on that but Paul knows from his social perspective his religious perspective knowing these people he understands they're not great law keepers themselves what they're really after is simply boasting in your flesh they want to basically count foreskins and brag in the fact that they got those Gentiles to be circumcised and that's what really matters and that'll help them be in good standing with their unbelieving neighbors at home and not feel the, the force of hostility that maybe they're experiencing back in Jerusalem. Paul, on the other hand, says, I'm not going to boast in anything but the cross of Jesus. So listen to verse 14. Paul says, here's what's true of me, but may it never be that I should boast in 
except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so in contrast to these people who want to boast in the flesh, and boast in the old era, boast in the things that are done and over with and should be passed, Paul says, that's not me. May it never be that I should boast, he says, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a shocking statement in his cultural context and in his day and age, because the word cross, uh, crux in Latin, was actually um, a, a word that was so hideous because the death that it referred to was so awful that you wouldn't use the word cross in formal company and polite writings. You just wouldn't do that. Um, in fact, F.F. Um, Bruce says this about the word cross. He says the word crux was an unmentionable in polite Roman society. Even when being condemned, the sentence was often often used a euphemism for what was coming. We see this in, for example, the Roman historian Tacitus writing about Jesus and Jesus' death and crucifixion. Tacitus says that he suffered, speaking of Jesus, the extreme penalty, referring to his crucifixion with the euphemism, the extreme penalty, because the word crux and crucifixion was an unmentionable, impolite, formal Roman society. And yet, Paul says, for him, it's not an unmentionable. It's the thing he boasts about. It's the thing he finds his identity in, and he celebrates. And so, as for me, Paul says, I'm going to proudly rejoice in and celebrate and boast about the cross of Jesus Christ, through which, he says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Notice the tense of that, that the world has been crucified, accomplished fact, event in the past that has continuing effects in the present. The world has been crucified. There was a day in which I drew a line in the sand and I was done with the world. And by the world, he means, again, the fallen systems, the values, the priorities, the aims, the agendas of the world. That There was a day when I, I was crucified to that. The world was crucified to me and I was crucified to the world, and our relationship is over. That The world doesn't define me. The world doesn't appeal to me. The world doesn't control me. I'm not seeking to honor the aims and ambitions and standards and goals and values of the world. I've been crucified to the world through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what I boast about. It goes on in verse 15 and says, for neither circumcision is anything. In other words, circumcision is neither here nor there. These guys are so into circumcision, but it's neither here nor there. It's no big deal. You get circumcised, you get, don't get circumcised, eh, no big deal, right? Circumcision, neither circumcision is anything, nor uncircumcision. Circumcision, uncircumcision, neither here nor there. What matters, Paul says, is a new creation. For neither circumcision is anything, nor uncircumcision but a new creation. That's what matters. God's new world has broken into the here and now. The new creation has already been launched through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the pouring out of the Spirit. And so new creation has come and it's currently overlapping with the old creation. And what are we going to live for, Paul is saying? Well, that's what really matters. It's not the old era and the old creation that was uh, that was the time period of the law and the time period of the flesh. That's the old era. The new era has come. The new creation has dawned. A new day has dawned in human history. 
And that's what really matters. And so he says in verse 16, and those who will walk by this rule, the word rule simply means standard, measuring stick, right? Think ruler. So, and those who will walk by this measuring stick, peace and mercy be upon them. In other words, those who will live by the fact that the new creation has come and they're going to measure their life according to the values, goals, priorities, standards uh, of the new creation, peace and mercy be upon them. Not those who measure themselves by the old creation that includes things like circumcision. And so, peace and mercy be upon those who will walk, who will carry out their life according to the new creation, and peace and mercy, he says, upon the Israel of God. And the phrase Israel of God seems here to refer to God's new covenant people, not marked by the Torah and circumcision, but marked by Christ and the Spirit. That is the mark of the Israel of God. And so, Peace and mercy be upon those who live by the standard of the new creation, and peace and mercy be upon the Israel of God. And so in this paragraph, Paul has really highlighted the the major themes of the letter and what really matters. He's given his own final uh, paragraph written about these themes and says this is what really matters. Let's live according to the new creation. Let's be done with the world, boast in the cross, and if we do so, then may God's peace and mercy be upon us. And then he concludes the whole letter in verses 17 and 18 with just his little sign off. He says, from now on, let no one cause trouble for me. Let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. And in other words, the word brand marks there is stigmata. It was simply used oftentimes, even literally, of in the Greco-Roman world, of a brand that would be put on a slave, particularly a slave who had a history of running away to mark them out as a slave. The Jews would put a hole in the ear to mark that kind of thing. You're my slave, right? And so this marked them out as being belonging to Jesus. And that's what Paul is getting at. So he says, for I bear on my body the, the, the marks that says Jesus owns me and I am loyal to him. And I think literally what Paul is saying is, you want to question my loyalty to, to the Messiah? You want to question my loyalty to Jesus? Fine. Let me take my robe off and you'll see the scars on my body. Because Paul has suffered a lot for Jesus and he's got scars of being beaten with rods, scars of being whipped, scars of uh, being uh, stoned with rocks, right? He's got these scars on his body that show, this shows my loyalty to Jesus. I belong to him and these scars prove that I am loyal to, to Jesus. And so let no one cause me trouble because, because I bear on my body the very scars that prove my allegiance and faithfulness to King Jesus. And so in verse 18, then Paul ends the letter and wraps up the letter with this parting greeting. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. And with that, he signs off the letter. Before we leave this letter and wrap up the book of Galatians, just a final question as we reflect on this paragraph. This paragraph really forces us to ask ourselves, what, what shapes my identity? What am I most loyal to? What defines my life? Is it the things of the world or the things of the new creation? What am I living most fully and completely for? And who am I most loyal to? Could I say with Paul... I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. Maybe not literally in the form of scars, but in the sense of service and toil and exhaustion. In the sense of, I will not live for the things of this world, but I will boast in the cross of Christ. 
by which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. What most defines your life and my life? I think that's the question we need to examine ourselves with as we reflect on this paragraph. All right, there you have it. That is the book of Galatians. Thanks for... There you have it. That is the book of Galatians. May God give you strength and grace and power by his spirit to live out the message of these words that Paul has written in this letter. Hey friends, it's John. You know, when I receive word from other places in the world where somebody who doesn't have access to formal theological training and Bible instruction, and yet they're trying to preach it to others, and they're serving a small church, and I hear about how the the listener's commentary has encouraged them and strengthened them and enabled them to preach the Bible better to their congregation— Man, thrills my heart, and that's what this is all about. And it's made possible, really, by the generosity of supporters just like you. And so I just want to invite you, would you consider supporting this project so that more and more people can learn the word in this way?